Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and uh, this evening we're going to look at Revelation 17 verse 15 through to chapter 18 verse 19. So let's read that passage together as we start at verse 15 of chapter 17. And the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beasts their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons, and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth commit adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxury. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I will sit as queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Therefore in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. When the kings of the earth, who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury, and they see the smoke of the burning, they will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment. They will stand far off and cry out, Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power! In our hour your doom has come, in one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, because no one buys their cargoes any more. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk and scarlet cloth. Every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory. Costly wood, bronze, iron and marble. Cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil. Of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages. And bodies and souls of men. They will say the fruit of your longing for is gone from you. All your riches and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe, O great city! dressed in the fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls, in one hour such great wealth 
has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea, will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, Was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, Woe, woe, O great city, where all who had ships on the sea because became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. We're going to finish there and we're going to look at those verses shortly, but before we do, let's just pray. Father, again we come to you in our weakness and lean upon your strength and ask that you help us understand these things as we gather around them together and we gather in your precious name. Amen. Well, uh, this passage here, uh, it's quite a long passage and there's an awful lot in it, but we're going to have a look at it. And uh, what we've seen, one of the seven angels continues to reveal to John the mystery of Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Now, Babylon is a symbol of a world that is set against God. These passages, chapter 17, verse 1, right through to 19, verse 21, are an overview of the judgment that God will bring upon them, upon Babylon. The woman who is called Babylon draws people of the world towards her, peoples, multitudes, nations and languages, the Babylon, the Babylon at the time of the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, that was the, the Babylon that enslaved God's people. Now, that was geographically set on many waters. They say it stood on that great river Euphrates, a river that was fed by many other rivers and canals. And these waters were the essential means of its trade and commerce, as well as providing a protection for them against invasion. When we look at some of the passages of the Israelites when they were in slavery, in, in, enslaved to Babylon, Psalm 137, verse 1, we read this by the rivers of Babylon. We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. That was the lament of the people. They sat by the rivers. And then we can go on and read in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 51, verse 12 through to 13. Lift up a banner against the walls of Babylon, reinforce the guard, station the watchman, prepare an ambush. The Lord will carry out his purpose. His decree against the people of Babylon. You who live by many waters and are rich in treasure, your end has come. Again, that's initially the reference to the original Babylon that enslaved the Israelites. Well, as we've said, mention here of the word Babylon in Revelation, it is a symbolic reference that is taken and applied to any willpower that threatens the people of God. Now we go to the days in the New Testament of the early church and at that time it was the Roman Empire who would have been referred to by the believers as being their Babylon. Down the centuries, many nations have come and gone who can be referred to as being a Babylon, a Babylon of their day, and we have our Babylons with us today. When we come to Revelation 17, verse 15, the analogy is explained. Verse 15, Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are P. 
peoples, multitudes, nations and languages. Now, what is it these nations of the world desire? Well, when we look at it, they desire wealth, they desire power and they desire position. And throughout history, nations have sought after world domination, as some still do today. Now, they might start out with good intentions, they gain power, they begin to amass wealth, and then they draw other people and other nations in, then they make promises, promises that they don't always keep. The desires of man's sinful heart can be Satan's way of leading mankind away from God, doing it with false promises, using twisted words in an effort to undermine the promises of God. Now the Bible is very clear when it speaks about the penalty of sin. We all sin. And it goes on to say, for the wages of sin is death. And we read that in Romans 6, 23. Thankfully the verse goes on. Verse goes on, but the, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very important verse. It also warns us against the hold that sin can have over us. When we go through the Bible, we see this. It can create in us a, a, a moral blindness that can lead us into worldly pleasures. This is what sin does. And these things that we trust in will only deliver temporary success and temporary satisfaction. And that temporary success and satisfaction comes from having a trust in worldly systems. Why do people subscribe to nations that persecute God's church? Well, they have the promise of wealth, the promise of power, the promise of security, the promise of authority and the promise of pleasure. Listen to what Paul says as he warns the church at Corinth about those who have come amongst them with the intent of enticing them away from the true gospel. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4 For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. You know, we're in danger of putting up with the world's view of Christianity rather than the truth of the gospel. And we see it in our country today where the world view of Christianity is moving further and further away from God's truth. Now in that same passage in Corinthians, verse 12 and 15, Paul goes on to encourage the people in that church, encouraging them to stay faithful as they as Paul will go on and expose who it is who is really behind these men who are promoting a different gospel, in other words, a world view. And Paul says, And I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising, then, 
if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. And in the book of Revelation, we are reminded in chapter 12 and verse 9, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient snake called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, who was hurled to earth and his angels with him. So I want us just for a few moments to go back to the beginning of the book of Revelation. We want to go back to God's word to the seven churches. Churches that are representative of the church as it waits for the return of Jesus. So these words are words for us today. So let's just remind ourselves of something that we read in chapter 2 and 3 about these churches. These words will, some of them will bring encouragement. They will also bring words of warning about those who would twist God's words in order to draw them away from God by enticing them into the ways of the world. So let's go first to the church at Ephesus. And we read this, you have forsaken the love that you had at first. Then to the church at Smyrna, I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. The church of Pergamon, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name, Thyatira. I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. And the church at Sardis, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the spirit and in the sight of my God. Philadelphia, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. And then finally, Laodicea, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Now, these are words of warning, but when we see these words of warning, they can also be words of encouragement. Why? Because they remind us that the Lord knows what kind of world we're called to live in. They remind us of the care that he has for us. And he knows that we need governments, we need commerce, we need security, we need finance, we need homes, we need friends, we need relaxation, we need holidays, we need hobbies. We have the ability to enjoy the things that please us. We can enjoy God's creation and we know that God loves the world. We must realize that what the Lord is warning us about is worldliness. That is to live by the values that Satan spreads throughout humanity. Values that will lead us to put our trust in them rather than put our trust in the Lord. An idol is not always an image. It can be anything, anything spiritual or material. Something that replaces the trust that we have in the Lord. Other world religions, including those that come under the cloak of Christianity. 
everyday things, things that we need, money, possessions, and position. And Jesus knows this. That's why when Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 before he went to the cross, we read this in verse 14 through to 16. Now he is initially in this part of his prayer speaking about those first disciples, but this prayer is also meant for us because we are his disciples who are in the same position as his first disciples were. He said in his prayer, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So what is this? A phrase we use often, to be in the world, yes, but not of the world. Let's continue in Revelation 17, verse 16 through to 18. And here we have an unexpected civil war. God works in mysterious ways and he has his purpose. And remember, God is in control. So as we read these verses, let's think about that. Verse 16 through to 18. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. We see in these few verses that God is in control. God is bringing judgment on the woman. We also see that evil can't triumph. We see that the nations that are in league with Babylon will turn on her and destroy her and then go on to regret what they have done. We see that in the Old Testament, we're seeing it here, revealed to us in the book of Revelation. As we see the final judgment of Babylon, Mark 3, 25, verse 26. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. Jesus said that after speaking one of the parables. It's in Mark chapter 3. Now let's go back to Revelation and go into chapter 18 and let's look at verse 1 through to 3. And here we have Babylon's fall predicted. Now when we come to these visions, the, the visions, we've said it before, this is a prediction of what will happen, not telling us when it will happen. The order of the visions are the order in which John sees things, not necessarily the order that things will happen. So we come to verse 1 of chapter 18. After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. These few words here are, are telling us that this is Jesus this is the one who has great authority, the one whose splendor illuminates the earth. This is Jesus, the light of the world, in all his glory. And verse 2 of our passage, 
With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal, for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth commit adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. So what we have here is the fall of Babylon the Great, the corrupt economic, religious system whose underlying aim is to destroy the church. The mention of wine and drunkenness is an illustration again. It's an illustration of one losing their inhibitions, then being filled with self-confidence, but also being blind to the truth of what is really happening. Their adulterous actions referring to their unfaithfulness to God. Again, we see allusions to the events of the Old Testament. We can go to the prophet Isaiah, so many things we can turn to, but just for this evening, Isaiah 13, 20 to 21, speaking about Babylon. This is Babylon in the Old Testament times. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations, There no nomads will pitch their tents. There no shepherds will rest their flocks. But desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill their houses. There the owls will dwell. And there the wild goats will leap about. That's speaking about the destruction of Babylon, but it also alludes to what will happen finally to Babylon. The one who is... Satan and the beast. And Isaiah goes on, and in chapter 34, verse 11, we then have him speaking about not just Babylon, but the nations. And he says, The desert owl and the screech owl will possess it, the great owl and the raven will nest there. God will stretch out over Edom the measuring line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation. Babylon and the nations in the days of Old Testament. And Revelation 18, verse 4 through to 8, we have a word here, a word to God's people. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, you people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given, pay her back double for what she has done, pour her a double portion from her own cup, give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen, I'm not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. This is a call for the redeemed not to be part of that system. 
Let's go through to Revelation verse uh, chapter 18, 9 through to 19. Uh, and I want us to think as we read through these verses that what we have here, they grieve. There's great sorrow. But their grieving and their sorrow is sorrow for the loss of their material possessions. <clears throat> it's not grieving about their sin. It's grieving about the things that they have put their trust in and have now let them down. And what I'm going to do for the sake of time, I'm going to read through these verses and I want you to think about this and notice all the material things here that they have been promised, the wealth that they've been promised, the things that they've been getting out of what Revelation is referring to, that worldly system, using the name Babylon. So just listen to these verses again and think about these things. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon, in one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Why? Because no one buys her cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron and marble. Cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, mare and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as slaves. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at the torment, and they will weep and mourn, and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain, and all who travel by ship, the sailors, and all who earn their living from the sea, will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, Was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads, and with weeping and mourning cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth in one hour. She has been brought to ruin. You see, just by reading those words, give us a picture. A picture of pride. A picture of downfall. And a picture of swift judgment. I want us to just finish with Mark 8 verse 36. And take these words with us as we think about what we've just read. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their 
soul. Let's pray. Our Father, we just thank you for these your words and we've spent some time looking at them. There's so much more here, but we pray that you'll give us enough to understand what is happening here. Judgment will come. When judgment comes, it will be swift. And our Father, we just pray that we might be prepared. Prepared that our trust and our faith will be in you and in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Well, just before I, I finish, um, I know some of you have the daily bread readings and um, I was looking at today's reading this morning and it was from Ezekiel 14 and the speaker was Tim Gustafson and he was on the subject of idols and in what he had to say in those daily notes he quotes Alistair Begg Alistair Begg, the Bible teacher and preacher who describes an idol uh, in this way and I think it fits when I read the notes this morning I thought I've got to share this with you this evening this is what Alistair Beck said. Anything other than God that we regard as essential to our peace, our self-image, our contentment, or our acceptability, even things that have the appearance of being noble, can become idols to us when we seek comfort or self-worth from anything other than the living God then we commit idolatry. Well, good words for us to finish with and to think about as we go forward. And next week we'll continue in our study of Revelation.